It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. And a very pleasant good morning on this Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. As you know by now, Dave Woloshin, he's out this week. He'll be out the rest of this week. And Monday and Tuesday of next week as the Memphis Tigers have their football open date and he's as he gets ready for the long, long push, we hope, until late March, early April with Tigers basketball. I'm Brett Norsworthy sitting in for him and honored to do so. And alongside Zach Boyd, who is producing, we are from our Family Leisure Studios and we'd love for you to be a part of this Wednesday morning with us at 901 360 8255. A reminder this time tomorrow at about 10.05. In about 24 hours and five minutes, we will be honored to have the athletics director of the University of Memphis, Laird Veach. He's set to join us tomorrow, and we will visit with Laird about a lot of subjects as it's always busy this time of year with the crossover time of the year. A lot of tickets to sell, and a lot of tickets to sell for the Tulane game coming up Friday night, October 13th at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium in what I think is the biggest game at, at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium in a long, long time, maybe since AAC championship game. Certainly the, the SMU game in 2019 uh, that, that was game day was here for that day, and then the game was that night. So it it's along those lines that Friday night, and we know Friday is high school football night, but this has long been on the schedule. This is nothing new for the Tigers to play, you know, on Thursday night. Already done it once this year against Navy and have that big game on Friday night. The baseball playoffs got started yesterday, but tonight we have college football on Wednesday night. And this starts a stretch of pro or college football over the next 56 days. That's through the Monday night football game after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving that Thursday, and then you know ball all weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the Monday night game that weekend. So it stretches from now until then, 55 of the next 56 days, college or pro football. Oddly enough, the only one that doesn't have a game in that span is the night before Thanksgiving. I, I don't know if that would be a good time to have a game or not because everybody's probably trying to get to grandma's or get home or something. It might be worth trying for somebody in the future. Maybe even an afternoon game that day is we, we all are trying different things around sports. In baseball yesterday, the headline of the day, and sadly enough, is the, that crowd in, in St. Pete for the Tampa Bay Rays play, playoff game. The lowest attended postseason game since 1919. Yeah, the year the White Sox threw the World Series in the quirky enough best of nine World Series to what is now the Cincinnati Reds. I don't know what their name was. I think it might have been Red Legs then. But the lowest crowd since 1919, and that's where they're they're building the new stadium there. So all the you know people won't won't go from Tampa to St. Pete for games. Well, will they go with, with when there's the new stadium there? Because they, they're not going to this stadium. This stadium is really bad. And we all know that with the A, B, A, B C, and D rings in, in, in the top of it. But it was bad. It, it was a really bad atmosphere. And I, I, I think the, it affected the Rays. What affected the Rays more than anything else was Jordan Montgomery, the Cardinal. He was just Cardinals everywhere yesterday pitching. Uh, Jordan Hicks, Genesis, Genesis Cabrera, 
uh, Jordan Montgomery. There were Cardinals all over the place yesterday pitching in baseball. And, and the Rangers, they get the win. They're right back at it today. And the Rangers can, can close out a 99-win Tampa Bay Ray team today. And I, I didn't I didn't see that coming. I thought the Rays would advance. And they've really been, over the last three or four years, over the Kevin Cash managerial great run, they've been the team, but they haven't made any noise in the postseason. In Minnesota, a great crowd to see the Twins beat the Blue Jays 3-1. to one. And in Milwaukee last night, a up, uh, real upset with the Diamondbacks winning 6-3. It was all Milwaukee early. They got a run in the bottom of the first, two in the bottom of the second, and it looked like you know it, it was on. And then Arizona matched them with three in the top of the third, got one in the fourth, and then added on two big runs and, and got to their ace, Corbin Burns. So now they lead, and everybody's playing again today. So you could have four sweeps, or we could have four game threes, uh, tomorrow, the Phillies, they won uh, last night 4-1 over the Marlins with really solid starting pitching. The game times all ran pretty fast yesterday. There was one three-hour-plus game, but most of them in line with the, the lickety-split pace that we've had uh, really all this year with the changes. Zach Boyd, I want to ask you about this. I see this story about Austin Reeves and the Lakers taking high exception and umbrage to the Nuggets, the world champion Nuggets, the world champion Nuggets that went through the Lakers to get to the NBA Finals and then ultimately win the NBA Finals. The Lakers, all their feelings are hurt over over ring ceremony night. Has Austin Reeves done enough for him to take high umbrage and exception with anything? I know he torched the Grizzlies, but when we last saw Austin Reeves at, at, at the FIBA World Cup in the Philippines, he was getting his own offense, but the whole world, quite literally the whole world, going around him to the to the bucket like he was a scarecrow. Good morning, Zach Boyd. Yeah, good morning. Good morning to you, Brett. I think, I think, I think Austin Reeves has deserved some cachet in, in, in you know, in his words of how he feels because he was playing pretty, he was playing pretty some pretty good basketball. Now, now it goes back to the original topic of with the Grizzlies because everybody likes to point out, everybody in the NBA points out that the Grizzlies are the most talkative team. In the NBA, so now that we got the world champs filling themselves, now it's like, well, we don't now 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 you got an issue with the champs coming in and saying saying some things. But about they're the champs, your, your can't team. they so talk? Like, yeah, you can't you can't be upset at everybody because every because everybody talks. So yeah, like like the Nuggets deserve to to you know stick out their chest, throw their shoulders back in, in a way, just show the rings. They they did something that they've never done in their franchise. Look, I I love the Austin Reeves story, but it, and you know, jokingly, I called him Magic Reeves <laughs> in that series against the Grizzlies, and 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 Rui Hashimura looked like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that series against the Grizzlies. I'm but saying. I just don't know. I just don't know if any of them had talked enough. Here's our lineup for today. Dave always has Steve Earhart on with him to talk the business of sports and college football, and particularly with our beloved 
AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Steve will join us. I normally join Dave on Wednesdays for a guest hit and talk SEC. So I'll do that today with, with, without Dave, but I'll do it with Zach and I'll do it with you. And Ron Higgins always joins Dave on Thursday, columnist down in Baton Rouge on the LSU Tigers. And LSU's got to be bristling after that loss Saturday night in Oxford, but they got another tough one on the road this week against the Missouri Tigers in Columbia. Uh, a lot of NBA news with all the media days. And, Zach, I know you you got some Marcus Smart sound. We want to hear from the newest Memphis Grizzly, a person I think is going to add a lot, a lot of a veteran presence and experience to maybe a team that yapped a lot. That it may be too much, but he will bring experience to that locker room. Oh, yeah. And this is, uh, this is a clip of him talking about communicating first year with the guys, communicating and just being still being himself amongst the guys. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you don't want to come in too hot. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to. You don't want to come in feeling like you, you're doing a lot, doing too much, or you know, over exacerbating things. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to come in too low. Um, so for me, you know, I'm gonna keep it always real because I expect that's what I expect for myself. I expect if I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do, I don't expect you to turn your head. I expect you to say something to me, so I can fix that, so we can be better, so I can be better for the team. So. Um, definitely going to try to see, you know, use these this this next couple weeks to really figure out guys. But at the same time, like if it's all about winning, is what you say it is. It don't matter. I should be able to come at you, and you should know there's no malice behind it. It's only to help you, and vice versa. And if you can't do that, then I don't know what to tell you. We're grown men. We're here doing what we're supposed to do. We love the game of basketball. We're getting paid a lot of money to do it. Let's go do it. And that's plain and simple. If that's what you're really here to do. Then. Somebody getting on you, correcting you or saying something to you or, you know, giving you that criticism, you shouldn't take it any other way, but this person is trying to help me. Oh, man, I just love that, and I think it's been needed to be said inside that locker room. The coaches can say so much to anyone, young or old alike, but it comes it, – it always, I think, has more prominence when it comes from that veteran presence in the locker room, and I think he will show that all year for this Grizzlies team. Three weeks from tonight, are you ready to get back down to FedEx Forum for Grizzlies games? I sure am. Three weeks from tonight, the opener for the Memphis Grizzlies. Joining us now on Wolo and Friends, he does every week. He's the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and he's set for a great game again this year between the Big 12 and the SEC. We welcome in Steve Earhart. Steve, good morning. Uh, glad to be here with you, Brett. Appreciate it. Glad to Glad to have you, and you got really great options. So all the wise guys out there with 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 the with the bowl uh, forecasts and predictions, they all have a a really intriguing one, and I think it would sell. I know it would sell a lot of tickets and ha- and have a lot of interest. It has the potential matchup of Gus Malzahn and UCF against Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Uh, I think everybody knows the story that Gus Malzahn was at Auburn. Hugh Freeze, very well known here. Gus Malzahn, very well known here. Before he went to Northwest Arkansas, his first high school football job was about 40 minutes from from this radio station at Hughes, Arkansas. You, you, I think you'd take Gus versus Hugh, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I was going to bring that up, but but you beat me to the punch of of all the uh, 
the publications, and it's CBS Sports with Jerry Palm, who's one of the real respected guys. He's predicting Auburn versus UCF, and that's my own personal favorite. I would declare victory right now because we haven't had Auburn since the Bo Jackson days, and, of course, we've had UCF a couple of times, and they had some really close games. They played the uh, real close game with Mississippi State, and then they actually beat Georgia, and that was when the, the president of Georgia was looking to find Mark Rich and try and fire him because UCF beat Georgia in, a, in the Autos of the Liberty Bowl. So, yeah, we'd declare victory right now if we could have Auburn versus UCF in our game. And Auburn with a real historical tie to Memphis when Bud Dudley brought that bowl to Memphis in the first game in 1965. It was Auburn in that game against Ole Miss, and you mentioned the last time they were here, 1984, with that man named Bo. He was MVP that night. Arkansas did a pretty good job of corralling him, but he got loose late for the win. And, and, and UCF, as you said, been here twice. In, in the in the bowl peck, picking order, pecking order, the hierarchy of picking bowls, and, and I asked this really about – uh, uh, Coach Deion Sanders and, and and the Pac-12. Could a bowl executive director, could they take a 7-5 Deion Sanders in Colorado over, say, a 9-3 team in, the, in a Pac-12-affiliated bowl? You know, I'm not 100% certain about the Pac-12 order, but my understanding is the Pac-12, the bowls are lined up in a pecking order of how much they pay right down the line. Whereas, uh, and that's the way we are in the Big Twelve. We're we're in an order there where it goes uh, uh, Alamo, then uh, Orlando, then Houston, then us, then uh-huh. Phoenix, then Dallas. So, but on the SEC side, it's much different. And your analogy could work there because in the SEC, there's what we call the SEC pool of there's six bowls in the SEC order. That are all uh, we all pay the same. This was a plan that Mike Slive, the commissioner of the SEC, had worked out because he wanted to be some ability of the conference office in conjunction, of course, with the individual desires of their universities of where to go. So, six bowls in the SEC pool. That's uh, you know Tampa and uh, Jacksonville, the Gator, Nashville, Houston, uh, Charlotte, and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We all picked. And, and not, not a random deal, but the conference office says they ask each university what bowl they'd like to go to. They ask each each bowl who they would like to have. They put them in order, and then the SEC makes the ultimate decision. So that's where you know, in a in a in a pool like that, you know, possibly we could get somebody that we want. Like last last year, we wanted Arkansas, and of course that was a great selection, a triple overtime game, and it, it worked out because Arkansas wanted to come here to the others on Liberty Bowl as well. But to answer directly mm-hmm. the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 has a, you know, a pecking order with contracts established in advance of which bowl gets which team in which order. December 29th, two, uh, 2.30 on ESPN, and tickets are on sale right now. And as you've always said, Steve, right now, this is the best time for people locally that want to go to college football leading into the big holiday weekend. You can get the best seats now. That, that's right, and 
and we uh, we want to look out for our local members. We have about 500 members of our local Ozone Liberty Bowl Association, and then thank you to all those folks that you know that support us year in and year out. So we we actually even do an early bird discount uh, to our our members of our association, and then when the teams get selected, of course, that's when all the ticket brokers and you know, and then the universities jump into action, and and so we want to save the best seats. So yes, uh, those of you in the local area here, jump on board now with us and pick out your seats and and it, right now you can pretty much pick out where you'd like to sit we uh, you know from the the chair backs down to you know some pretty economicals in uh you know around the the stadium and and the there's been a lot of publicity as as you you know you know the stadium better than anybody uh but uh it's still one of the best viewing venues because there's no track you're very close to the field you know you've got so many seats at the during or in between the the 40 yard lines there because the stadium goes up high there and so from a viewing point of view and and we get that from fans for example last year when Kansas uh, was here it was their first time here in what 30 years or more than that and and of course their fans were really pleased that they had great viewing lines they were much closer to the field yeah, and, and and they had they had a good time for most of the day. They had a good time all week, except for the Razorbacks got them at the end. The number for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl is nine zero one seven nine five seven seven zero zero. You can call right now and reserve your place for that fun. You've got great options with each two leagues that that, that you're picking from, from the Big Twelve and from the SEC. I talked about Central Florida and Auburn, but there there's a lot of options. Never had Florida. In the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, sure could have that. Uh, even uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas that play each other this weekend, there's things to be sorted out there. You, you have really good options, Steve. Right. And, in fact, we supplement. We send it out tomorrow. To, you'll get your – but I'll give you a little advance preview of the best bowl per projection. Now, you may be the best in the country to pick the big bowls, but here's some of the, the people that pick, like USA Today – they project that LSU would be playing West Virginia. Now we haven't had LSU in many years. I don't. Need, I, you probably know that the date of that, uh, Brad. I can't call out the date of when LSU was last here. And and West Virginia has been playing well lately. Uh, uh, college football news has Kentucky versus BYU. Another BYU. Another new member of the Big Twelve. Uh, 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 last word on sports has Texas A&M versus West Virginia, and uh, and then. Uh, uh, Missouri, you know, they were here, what, four years ago when they played Oklahoma State, and uh, they're slated to play against TCU. Mm-hmm. So, yes, a lot of good options, and I think that would be really neat with one of these four new teams in the Big 12, you know, being able to play an SEC team and those four new teams, uh, you know, they're excited about just being in the Big 12. You you mentioned LSU last time they were here. It was 1985 against Baylor. That That potentially could be the matchup. This year for Brian Kelly, uh, uh, playing playing in that game, and it, it was a it was ranked versus ranked team. That was a Friday night game in 1985, and and that was the last time LSU was here. They were here in the late 70s against Mizzou. And I want your listeners to know, Brett, you have the best steel trap memory of anybody I've ever met. That photographic memory of yours, I I, I wouldn't have been able to call that up. You knew the date, the time, the year, and when they played. So uh, you listeners, don't ever try and get anything past Brett. He, he's got a photographic memory like nobody no, else. That they can get me. And that LSU team, you know, we're going to visit Ron Higgins in a little bit. It was a wild game last Saturday. A play, you know, a play or two, they win that game. Steve, I think it's how fragile 
and delicate it is out there. Just a player two, you're away from a seven and five season or a ten and two season, and it starts at quarterback. And LSU's going to be in every game with Jaden Daniels, and and Ole Miss is going to be in every game with Jackson Dart. It it just comes down to a break or two, and and the margins very very slim. You know that's a great analysis uh, <clears throat> stats that. You know, it's so close now, uh, you know, even at the highest level. I mean, there's, you're still going to have the Alabamas and the Ohio States there, but uh, on any, on a, like, I don't I hate to say the cliche, but on any given Saturday, but it's those True. plays. Your your point is it's a play here, a play there. Of course, University of Memphis saw it there with their scoop and score there and turned a, a very close game around when they played Boise State, but it happens everywhere. And I enjoyed your call there when you were down there with the old Miss LSU. I mean, what a battle and what an entertaining game. And that's why college football is so much fun and the excitement and, you know, how to, I know it's a bad thing to be storming the field, but, uh, you know, when you watch a Duke beating, uh, you know, Clemson and then a Duke, you know, toe to toe with Notre Dame and, you know, the excitement of college football, it's really amazing. Even with all, you know, and all people hollering at the, the portal in the NIL and everything is terrible, but college football is a, uh, is probably having one of its best years ever, not only from television viewership, but in stadium experiences. So uh, it's, a, it's a great game, and it's a, it's still wonderful for uh, universities to have, have a, to be a college football at its best. Steve, I say about college football, it's yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and it's a chance when we go to the campus, when we go to the stadium, go to the games, okay, maybe not for all of us to be 20 again, but it, at least we can be 30 again for about three hours. And, and I, th- I think that last second win, that, that adds to the, the field storming. If you can kind of see it coming, they, they can brace for it and, and kind of warn people with some looks and, and extra security. But when it came down to that, it was, you know, it's just impossible to keep them off the field. Steve Earhart with us from the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in his game coming up December 29th, 2.30 on ESPN. Make your plans now for that. And, and the Big 12 will really change next year, but you will still have great options. You're going to have, you're still going to have the OU Texas options. They're just going to be on, on the other side next year come <laughs> July 1 of next year. And, and, and you're going to have a chance next year at Coach Prime as they head back to the Big 12. <laughs> that's where you made a great point. And I think that's why the others on Liberty Bowl were, we're in a good position for the future. People ask us what's going to happen, but, uh, with the, the, the SEC expanding. And like you said, we've never been able to get Texas or Oklahoma out of the Big 12, quite frankly, that the Houston Bowl has, has told us we're always going to take mm-hmm. one of those teams always. there. But now that they're over there in the SEC, and I, and quite frankly, I think they're not going to be able to dominate. You know, they've for many years they've dominated the, the Big 12, but over there they could be sort of in the middle of the pack, which doesn't mean they're any worse a football team. They'd be just as good a football team and just as entertaining and a big fan base. But uh, I think we have a an excellent chance of having some matchups there. And, and you're right, uh, you know, bringing uh, Colorado back, and uh, the, the I know uh, stats you'll be able to call that uh, – even the score and the time and the place when Colorado played Alabama in that 1969 out of Zone Liberty Bowl. But, yeah, they'd get prime back here in Memphis. Of course, uh, there's some 
either he's either liked or disliked here in in Memphis with the the Southern Heritage situation. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think Colorado would be uh, good to bring them back here. Of course, they were here what sixty nine, and then again in what was it uh, in seventy the very next back-to-back year against years. Tulane. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, we're in good position, and again, we do need to have a great local support because that's what uh, sets our bowl aside. That uh, you know, and, and we were so blessed last year, and thanks to everybody that uh, we had a that great triple overtime game. Uh, it was it was really neat. Even in the middle of the game, I got a text from Archie Manning say, "Wow, what a game!" But uh, you know, it, it, it was. It, we really portrayed good for the future. So I I think, and I know you've been analyzed on your show uh, all the stuff about the portal and the NIL. But uh, you know, it'll it'll evolve through there. And I think in, in a lot of ways, it's good. There there's some guardrails that need to be placed in in that. But uh, it'll get worked out. We've been through uh, worse situations, and as I say, in that that Colorado uh, a little uh, you were. You were there, stats, but in 1969, I can tell you that uh, I was out at Colorado, then we had an NIL before NIL was NIL. Oh yeah. <laughs> now it's legal, but uh, you know there was a lot going on in the old Big Eight in those days. So uh, you yeah, know we'll uh, survive. Colin Bryant that. didn't play for free, did he? <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was one of the good guys. He didn't, but there were there was some recruit. He was a local guy from Colorado Springs, yeah. Colorado. But uh, <laughs> we had some kids from California and Texas that they found their way sure. to Boulder, Colorado, and it, it looks yeah, like it's now amazing, prime, it? <laughs> prime, prime prime time is he, he's got a lot of kids wandering to Boulder, Colorado that may not have ever heard of where Boulder, Colorado is. But uh, you know, college football I, I, is still I, in good position. Yeah. It, it it sure is, Steve. I'm not suggesting it at all. Not not even close for the for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. But could you see a bowl with the the crowded December schedule? And we know a lot of it is ESPN owned for programming. But could you see a bowl going? We're going to have our bowl in August. We're going to go to opening weekend and play it then instead of like some of these classics. Have the pomp and ceremony and everything around it on opening weekend. Could you see that happening? Well, that's that's a great point, uh, stats, and and that's been su- suggested, uh, you know. And the classics, like you say, these these preseason matchups and the, the the situation with them, and they they're dying away a little bit because the the only way they were able to put those together, like Atlanta, Houston, and Dallas, the, that had these big, wonderful stadiums, and and the ESPN would generally be behind putting them together, uh, where they they were only getting the teams that you know you know, have the great followings like Alabama used to play in a lot of those because they knew they would bring 20,000 people with them, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, an LSU is these teams that have the kind of powerful fan base that you could say, okay, we're going to have a great fan base. So, you know, would a bowl situation work where when, when one of the things that got his own Liberty bowl was done is we're, we're creating an opportunity for, you know, uh, for example, last year, Kansas hadn't been into a bowl. They they won five games in a row, but they struggled through this season. But it was a great opportunity for their student-athletes as well as their fans to have a wonderful experience, even though they, they lost. And again, with Arkansas, who, you know, they, they had an up-and-down season, but it was a great reward game. Now, I'm not sure, could you promote a game uh, with uh, two schools like that at the beginning of the year? And that's the big question mark. But yeah, I think it's something that uh, we'll be looking at because when they finally work out that schedule, uh, you know, when will that first round of uh, uh, playoff games, which will be on the campuses of the of the schools, that first what will be the quarterfinals uh, come come next year? Where will they be scheduled? That's one thing that I pretty well determined that it'll be the 
the week after the Army Navy game. You have the selection of the mm-hmm. conference champions for the, and all the bowls get assigned that first uh, Sunday in the month of December. Then you have Army Navy a week later with the only the only game that week, and then a week later you'll have what uh, would be those early games. And I think that there's probably going to be some adjustments to that because. Uh, as as you know, the the plan is that the teams one through four in the pecking order, or not they were in the alignment order from the committee, they don't play at all that week. They don't, and so the teams five, <clears throat> five, six, seven, and eight will host those games on their campuses. So the teams one through four, those ads, well, there be a big payday. Why? How come we're not getting to play on our campus? So uh, that there's potential of some discussion about what will happen to that. But, uh, you know, the Arbo will be in, in good shape, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, 12 teams are the same 12 teams that get selected now for the, the six New Year's Six Bowl game. So we'll still have a good shot at some really quality teams, just like we did last year. Steve, thank you so much for your time. We both hit a time where I think we both need a drink of water. But I do, I do appreciate your time that. today, Steve. Yeah. Uh, no, all, I was getting all excited, good. excited I, about that again. I, I thank you for your time. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, and, and, and you're a great support. And, again, we got to keep you there. And, again, your listeners know, I mean, if you ever want to win a trivia bowl, you get stats as your partner. You'll win it all over the country. So stats, I'm still waiting for. When are you going to go on one of these uh, national TV shows and uh, bring home the big box there by by winning Man, everybody? I, I with don't your want to break their camera. Memory. If they put me on TV, I'm afraid I'd scare the children. <laughs> well, we appreciate <laughs> everything you, you do for college football. Thank you, stats. You got it, man. Thank you, Steve Earhart, AutoZone, Liberty Bowl Executive Director, and I really appreciate the compliment, Steve, and you know how much I care about that great game. Coming up Friday afternoon, December 29th. When we come back, we'll talk about the AAC and the SEC, and we'll visit with Ron Higgins at about 1040. You're listening to Wallow and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Start your day with Sports 56 mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Dave will be back next Wednesday, and I will join him at this time as a guest after uh, being honored to sit in for him this week and into Monday and Tuesday of next week. But I'm Brett Norsworthy alongside Zach Boyd, and this is Wolo and Friends. We're with you until 11 o'clock, and then that's when John Harden and the happy hour will take over. I'll be back with Bryant Dacus at 3 o'clock today, and at 4.30 today, we're going to give out September college football grades from around the country, from all the SEC teams, the Tigers. We're going to do position groupings. We're going to do coaches. We'll do some national teams. We'll do any team that anybody asks about by calling or texting 901-360-8255. But September's in the books, and in the AAC, it gets started for October play on Saturday, and the Tigers have put themselves in a great position. They really don't have to scoreboard watch that much. they got to take Take care of business Friday night, October 13th, and the balance of the year, and not have to worry about other teams playing in the AAC. But it gets started Saturday with Texas San Antonio 
a, a surprising one and three against Temple, two and three. North Texas at Navy, South Florida at UAB. I had UAB being a lot better than they've been under first year head coach Trent Dilfer. And UConn, 0 and 5 in second year of Jim Mora Jr. Uh, against Rice, 3 and 2, a surprising 3 and 2 for Rice. And then Saturday night, Tulsa at FAU. And that one, my friend Richard Cross doing that game on ESPN. This weekend, the SEC, it's LSU that we'll talk a lot about with Ron Higgins coming up in a few minutes. And I saw LSU last Saturday night and they're fine on offense. They've got problems on defense and they go up against a team that's got plenty of offensive weaponry in Mizzou. That game's at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Maybe, possibly the most anticipated Mizzou game since they've joined the SEC, maybe, certainly in the Eli Drinkwitz era with them 5-0 and in rank 21st. Western Michigan's at Mississippi State Saturday at 11. Alabama, the CBS game. Uh, Gary Danielson will be at that game alongside Brad Nestler's the CBS game. Bama going to Texas A&M, where Bama lost two years ago to Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban suffering his first loss to a former assistant coach. He's had a couple since then. Vanderbilt at Florida Saturday, 3 o'clock. Kentucky at Georgia, 5-0 Kentucky, ranked 20th against 5-0 Georgia, number one in the country in a 22-game winning streak. Georgia, 14.5-point favorite at home between the hedges at Sanford Stadium. And Saturday night where I will be, and you can hear all the action right here, on Sports 56, kickoffs at 6.30 with David Kellum and Harry Harrison. On the call and John Darnell on the sidelines. Gary Darby and I get it started at 4.30 in the Grove for the Razorbacks and the Rebels. Arkansas needing a win about as bad as they've needed one in the Sam Pittman years. Uh, two and three, three straight losses, heartbreaking style. All three at home to BYU at Tiger Stadium and at the neutral last week in Dallas to Texas A&M. All winnable games, but they dropped all three. And Ole Miss, an 11.5-point favorite over Arkansas. Vegas, they don't get too uh, they don't get too out of line on much, but I think that line's a little big based mostly on what Ole Miss did last week uh, in the thrilling comeback. Down, down nine with five minutes to go and win the game over LSU. But Ole Miss, four and one in rank 16th. And after the game against the Razorbacks, We'll head into open date, and then the first opponent coming back after the open date will be Auburn. Last week in the SEC, the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the year in college football, was that 55-49 game in Oxford with Ole Miss defeating LSU. It was Jackson Dart, 88 plays, zero turnovers, and I thought that was the key part in the game. How healthy, how well... How recovered has Tennessee gotten since dropping the game down at Florida? They won at home last week, 41-20. to They now have an open date. And then how about the next three weeks for Tennessee when they come out of open date? They'll have Texas A&M in Knoxville. They will have third Saturday of October against Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And again, then they go to Lexington against Mark Stoops' Kentucky team. We will know a lot more about Tennessee when October ends than we really do know now after September ended. I thought Tennessee would be undefeated at this point and had that really ugly game 
against Florida, and Florida is not anywhere near vintage. After, and and we, we know it between what Utah did to them on opening night and what Kentucky did to them last weekend in Lexington. It was a pounding like we haven't seen Florida really in the last 40 years, since late 70s, early 80s even, to see Florida just hammered like that. By Kentucky, 33-14, to and that propelled Kentucky into the top 25, where they now sit at 20. When we come back, we'll visit with Ron Higgins. He's columnist down in Baton Rouge for Tiger Details. That's next on Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Ron Higgins joins us now on Wolo and Friends, and he is our friend, long time at the Commercial Appeal, and now back home in his beloved Baton Rouge and covering the LSU Tigers, columnist for Tigers Details, TigerDetails.com. And Ron joins us now. Good morning, Ron Higgins. Was it was it Ole Miss's offense or LSU's defense or the imperfect combination of the two for the purple and gold? Hold on a second. Ole Miss just scored again. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Very good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Who got this one? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a combination of both. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, I really thought Ole Miss was due for a really good, good game. Uh, I, uh, I was frankly surprised the first part of the season how much they've kind of just not hit hit their stride offensively because they got some really good talent on that side of the ball. And they took advantage of an LSU defense that uh, one, uh, its cornerback rotation has four guys before this year never started an FBS game. Uh, and uh, uh, and quite frankly, the defensive line and linebackers under underperformed, and Ole Miss did a great job. And then you know, and and they had to, uh, you know, I, I guess LSU fans are angered because LSU is their tradition has been on defense, but now they yeah. have a world class offense and they got a defense that can't stop anybody, uh, and so they're they're angry. Uh, which they, they should be, but you know you, you move on and you and I, I think the way Brian Kelly understands it, his secondary may not get much better because of what they have on hand, but he wants to he feels like uh, they can cover some of that up if their defensive line plays better and actually gets a good pass rush and sacks quarterbacks, which they didn't do against Ole Miss, and the linebackers fill gaps better so. Uh, you know, I, some LSU fans are like wondering Brian Kelly this week. You know, announced Monday that he's bringing in former LSU defensive coordinator and line coach, 82 year old mm-hmm. Pete Jenkins, to come as a consultant. Uh, and actually, it's a great move because there's no better technician of defensive line play in the nation 
than Pete Jenkins, who's still in demand by a lot of college teams and pro teams. Incredible. Who come, uh, and so they feel if they get that solved, it'll help. It'll help their secondary so much. This year, uh, look, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that game, LSU's defense looked like you know date night at the senior citizens' home. There was a lot of excitement, but nobody knew what quite to do. Uh, and hopefully, if the defensive line can play better, uh, the linebackers can play, the front seven can play better, the back end will be kind of uh, covered up a bit, so to speak. But the, the back end is not going to get much, get a lot better. And, and yeah, you're going to have to get new players for that. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, you, you can't, there's no, uh, in, in, as much as uh, college football has gotten so liberal with its transfer rules, the, you can't trade guys in midseason in the portal. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming. Some, I'm sure some players somewhere is going to file a lawsuit for that and be able to do that. Yeah, and win. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no Ron. Know, when my head explodes, I, I I can take trades. I'll be able. I'll I'll be able to stand a player holdout. When we have the player strike, uh, I hope it's way past Brett and Ron. I hope I don't have to live to see that. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, hats off to Ole Miss. They played a great game, and I, I, and, uh, I thought, you know, people ask me, LSU fans, about Ole Miss game before the start of the season. And I said that's the one I got circled on my schedule because LSU can easily lose that game. It's a tough place to play. Kiffin's you really told us that at media day. Yeah, Kiffin's got an offensive coach, good offensive coach, uh, and uh, yeah, they can lose that game, and. and I've watched Ole Miss this year. Uh, I'll call on TV almost every week. I try to watch everybody, and I'm like, man, they're just uh, they're just a couple of steps away from getting in rhythm and destroying somebody. Uh, and you know, they destroyed LSU. And uh, for Ole Miss fans, there's not a team they enjoy more destroying them more than LSU. And uh, <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> I know it made them happy. Uh, uh, uh- Especially to the old guard, Ole Miss fan. I, I think the Ole Miss fan, fifty-five and up, it, it, the, the LSU thing is still the biggest thing. This is not a shot at Mississippi State. This is this is not not. I'm not trying to be overly complimentary to LSU. I, it's just how as I, how I see it. And I think I got a a pretty decent handle on the Ole Miss fan base. Fifty-five and up, LSU's magical. To uh, uh, tw- uh, twenty to fifty-five, it, it's it's the egg bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I think the SEC understands the rivalry, and that, that, I think Ole Miss is going to be one of their permanent opponents. Uh, I believe when they go to if they ever rearrange their schedule like they should. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I've never uh, somebody looks in the, in the game below game, both teams are scoring back and forth. They go, "Hey, it's Chris Jackson versus Gerald Glass." <laughs> oh, that's a good line. <laughs> who ga- who gave that line? That's a good one. Yeah, uh, but it, it was a, it was a, a fun game to cover. Uh, you know, one the home team went home happy and partied, and the visiting fans had to drive five hours trying to decide who they need to fire. Yeah, Ron, I, and that's fandom for any group of fans. Ron Higgins, our guest, longtime SEC uh, columnist, follower. 
uh, historian. He knows this league. He knows every team just as well as any anybody out there. Ron, I'm, I'm going to commit heresy, I know, in the LSU world. And I say it, and I saw all the number nine Joe Burrow jerseys in Oxford. He is a small G god in Baton Rouge, and he should be. Heisman Trophy, national champion, undefeated. I think Jaden Daniels is just as good. He just may not have the teammates that Joe Burrow had. Yeah, Jaden Daniels is, is, is uh, just played phenomenal. I don't know if I've seen a guy just throw the ball better than he did, uh, you know, past few games. Those like those the touchdown those passes. throws, those corner throws. And, 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 and Brett, he plays for a fan base who still questions up to like a game ago whether he should be the starting quarterback or not. That's how. Oh my. That's how unintelligent this fan base can be. This kid is a, a great football player. Uh, you know, it took him like half a year last year to get acclimated to the SEC and get his confidence to throw the ball downfield. He came, look, he came to LSU Arizona State where he started 29 games, maybe more than that. And he came to LSU as a guy with, who's a, a great running quarterback. He could throw, but uh, he's so fast, as, as, you, as, as people see when he gets an open field, uh, he, he's faster than most running backs, almost as fast as wide receivers. Uh, and so last year, early in the year, when, when, when the blocking wasn't there or receivers wouldn't get open quick enough, he'd bail out of the pocket uh, and not go through, through his progressions. But about about midseason last year, you know, he starts staying in the pocket a little bit longer, building progressions, having more confidence for receivers. And his, his game just took off from there. And this year, it, it's it's been – it's been great almost every game. He wasn't terrible against Florida State. Uh, you know, Grambling, you can't count. He didn't play against, defense. Yeah, against Mississippi State, uh, he had 13 straight passes. I think he only threw three incompletions the whole game. Uh, in Arkansas, he took LSU on a long touchdown drive to win the game. He played right there. And he played unbelievable at Ole Miss. Uh, sure so, did. yeah, he's, he's a great football player. And he's got two, uh, two receivers who – are going to be right there with uh, LSU's greatest duos ever. I mean, uh, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and, and you know, and, and Jamar Chase and, and Jefferson. Uh, these guys will, you know, they'll play together this year and they'll, they'll go to the pros, but they're, they're having a year similar to those guys. Ron, Saturday night, right before Coach Lane Kiffin joined me on post game, we were talking off the air, and I said, throws, throws. And he said, that coverage. He said, our guy was there. He said, I'm not mad at our guy. The coverage was there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the balls are thrown perfectly. You've got really Perfect. good athletes, women, you know, who know how to adjust the ball in flight, and they don't drop passes. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it is absolutely amazing. I guess really the the, the two guys that are, are ranked the LSU's top two receivers are, are are ranked. Golly, I mean they're in the top ten in the nation in a lot of receiving categories. Uh, almost every catch they make uh, is for a, a first down or a touchdown. I mean that that's mm-hmm. uh, and they the, attack the, the ball. Down. Yeah, they they don't they don't drop passes. I mean, uh, uh, Malik Neighbors, eighty percent of his catches this year been for touchdowns or first downs. Uh, Thomas, other receiver, sixty four percent of his uh, catches first downs or touchdowns. 
It's just, you know, at one point this season, Malik Neighbors had 15 consecutive t- receptions for either uh, and or first downs and or touchdowns. They got two of the best in the nation, but they, they got to solve their defense. And if they, you know, want to somehow come back and uh, win the West, if, uh, you know, if Alabama stumbles or Ole Miss stumbles they, again. They won it with two losses last year. Yeah. You know, and look, uh, Brian Kelly's going to, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I know there's a part of the LSU fan base that don't like him because he's just too calm on the sideline, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, LSU fans like their coaches to scream at players. They want, they want their, you know, that's why they love Nick Saban because, mm-hmm. you know, if a DB got beat under Nick, DB, I mean, LSU fans want to scream at that DB. They had Nick to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like their they like they like their coaches loud and wild, which you know was Orgeron was that way. They're not used to having Ed, some. Ed Orgeron was loud and wild. Yeah, I, I, there was a rumor he was. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, they like they like their you know. It, I mean, Brian Kelly is you know controlled and, and very cerebral, and uh, he, he's an adult. He's an adult. Uh, and he's also from the north, which LSU fans they think that everybody should be from around here. But they kind so of was Nick Saban, so was Les Miles. Yeah, they, they forgot I got Nick was you know West Virginia. You know, so yeah. it's just when you lose a game like that, you think of every possible angle you know to get angry at your head coach or your defensive coordinator. And the fact is, uh, if you don't execute what you're supposed to be doing. And the other team is on their A game. You're going to get killed. And that's what happened again. Uh, I, 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 I've waited all year for Ole Miss to do that. I'm sure Ole Miss fans have too. But every game I, I watch them. You see them every week. You know what they have, and you know how mm-hmm. good they can be, and you know how good and, they and can fin- be. And finally got healthy. And finally got yeah, Caden yeah. Priest going back. Got yeah. Trey Harris back, and, and, and yeah. got the offensive line cooking. Ron, thank you for your time. We're short on time. I sure appreciate visiting with you. Have fun in Columbia. Be safe with LSU Tigers as they face the Missouri Tigers. Thank you, Ron. All right. Take care. See you. You got it. Ron Higgins with us from down in Baton Rouge, and he knows that program and this league as well as anyone. He did tell us at SEC Media Days he was very scared of that trip to Oxford for LSU and Ole Miss got him. Wouldn't want to have to play him again this week, but this week for Ole Miss, it's the Razorbacks. This week for LSU, it's Mizzou, and guess what? If Mizzou wins the game, goalposts are coming down in Columbia, so they're going to have to write the the big check to the SEC just like Ole Miss had to do last week. And I will remind everyone that some people wondering, you know, what kind of seller, what was all that about? Why did Ole Miss do that? In the last five times Ole Miss has been to Baton Rouge, and they've lost all five of those, two of those five LSU fans went out on the field in celebration. Goalposts didn't come down. I don't think the goalposts had ever have ever come down because they're so reverential to the old fashioned goalposts at Tiger Stadium. I think I don't think they would ever do that for any game. They didn't do it last year for Alabama. But two of the five times they they have been out on the field in celebration. It it, it hits at that moment. You know, I can't I can't and I don't think there's any way you can keep that many people away without, you know, really going, you know, with some extreme tactics, and you don't want to have to do that to your customer. I Man, I don't think it would happen again. I don't think it'll happen again anytime soon at Oxford, but certainly can understand the celebration around around the sport. Uh, it, it it is not safe. 
I don't encourage it, but I do understand when people did it. And I once was a party to it in 1981 when Arkansas beat number one ranked Texas in Fayetteville when I was a freshman that year at Arkansas. So I, I, I've been out there on the field and, and, and I've done that. I was down by the field Saturday night and felt like it was coming if that happened. As soon as the, the game hit zero, I went straight to the back because I knew the celebration was getting ready to be wild. Tomorrow we will visit with Laird Veach, the Athletics Director of the University of Memphis. Russell Copeland will join us as well, and Jarvis Greer. Today I want to thank Ron Higgins and Steve Earhart for joining us, and also thank you very much to you, Zach Boyd, for the great job producing. I'm Brett Norsworthy. You've been listening to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.